0: the majority of our seasoned clients are typically adding to their portfolios on down days much more than they are on updates.
1: Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics, as it is time once again for our weekly Tuesday Physical Solar Report, where we cover the latest developments in prices and premiums. Certainly has been quite an impact on price over this past week as we've seen silver and gold, for that matter, really get beaten up pretty good. Silver just above $21 as we record today. Might add uh, today's episode coming a little later in the day than normal as Andy is traveling back from the Silver Symposium, but joining me on the phone. So Andy, it's great to have you here today. And how are you doing, my friend? How are the travels going?
0: Travels are good.
1: Travels are good. Uh, Fortunate to uh,
0: spend some time with my son, but um, it's it's never really fun traveling anymore. Airports and TSA and whatnot always kind of make it a drag, but actually this one was pretty good and had a great time in Vegas. My brain still kind of feels encased in jelly from, uh, you know, hanging out with a lot of people that – I had the good fortune of meeting that attended the show, along with several of the speakers there that that I happy to call friends. And well, you know, the days blur into nights and whatnot, but it was a great show and good to be back on. Sorry for making you
1: wait. Well, that's not a problem. And I was at last year's show, which interestingly was the absolute bottom of last year's cycle. The Saw a silver dip under eighteen bucks one of the days we were there. Was not able to make it this year, although again interesting. A similar environment where we've seen quite a sell off in the silver and gold markets, as I mentioned. Curious what was the sentiment like at the show? Uh, obviously you talked to a lot of people. There were a lot of the speakers there that some of whom we hear on my show and as well as many of the other Gold and Silver shows in the around YouTube. But what were people feeling is uh, everyone a bit down right now or curious what that was like?
0: No, uh, actually the sentiment there was very positive. It's interesting that you say that, you know, Jeff Clark uh, is, is, is a good buddy of mine. One of the nicest guys I've known in all my time in the industry. And he gave a presentation there and I'm connected with Jeff on LinkedIn. I think is where I saw this, but he posted, you know, look at the Silver Symposium and with 750 of my closest friends, I something like that. And well, he was just decimated on the comments on LinkedIn about, you know, everything you would associate with poor sentiment. And that's the mainstream. The mainstream you know, is not able to get out of the way of what they don't see coming. And um, what they do see does not support or validate the argument for silver. They may be well-read, but they're reading the wrong stuff. Um, and I think unless you understand where we are in this cycle and where we're heading, you know, it's easy to to imagine there being poor sentiment the people at this show, however, understand what's coming. Um, They've been following people like you and David Morgan and um, all the people out there, Ted Butler, that have been talking about silver for a long time and they understand it. They get it. And if anything, it's strength and conviction when they can be around like-minded people who are able to speak their language. And, um, you know i don't know i i walked out of there optimistic and you know the price the price that is so counterintuitive that is is um uh languishing a bit to me doesn't get me down in fact we find the people who understand it which is the majority of our seasoned clients are typically adding to their portfolios on down days much more than they are on updates if you believe the price ultimately goes much higher then why not it's interesting that everything else we want to buy when it's on sale we're happy to see now the counter argument to that and i get it is that well you know it's always on sale until it's not and i believe that that till it's not comes and if you don't why then you know that supports poor sentiment and i think it's one of these things that won't become evident to the masses until it's too late that's the little by little by little by little then all at once it's the logarithmic decay of the supply it's the logarithmic decay of this economy it's the logarithmic decay of the banking system little by little by little then bang just like interest rates today on the 10-year treasury creeping up to 4.8%. I mean, little by little by little, the banking system is getting squeezed until one pops a big one and a bail-in comes in. And then, Chris, and then sentiment goes from where it is to 180-degree different in the blink of an eye. That's what people don't understand.
1: Well, that makes sense. And certainly, we're going to touch on that, the latest spike, uh, not just the spike. Certainly, we've we've seen those Rates move up rather quickly. I wonder if we're bordering on what becomes disorderly at some point here, as indeed we do have the yields up another 11 basis points to 4.791% at the exact moment we're recording this. Although one thing I was curious about that obviously we touch on each week, did get a couple of questions about that this morning. Has the price decline changed the premiums at all over this past week? Uh, I have one viewer of the show who obviously has he's not been having the most fun time watching the silver price over the past week and, I guess, a couple of weeks and months. But he he was concerned that at the lower price, we might see premiums rise a bit. Curious if there's been any change there. They haven't yet,
0: and typically that's what does happen. Uh, in fact, if anything they 've mellowed a little bit, with the exception of the Eagles, which have gotten a tad bit tighter, but no, uh what he is saying is true; they do oftentimes spike because you have people that understand the value there the The supply has been replenished so much, so that it's it, you know we may say see a delay in that happening uh, normally that 's something that happens pretty quick, but hasn 't happened yet and Look, again, when I say an event with the banks, what I'm really alluding to is that the mainstream wakes up and understands there are very few places to hide. And the problem is if one big bank fails and is bailed in, as the Dodd-Frank law says they need to be, it will create a panic and a rush to all of the banks that have been downgraded by S&P and Moody's. And, you know, when that happens, it will feed upon itself as the main asset that would be sold to meet redemptions would be 10-year treasuries, which are spiking, which will continue to go higher and higher and higher just in the face of of a mass liquidation as these banks scurried to meet uh, redemptions, which will only lead to the demise of the banks, and it will feed upon itself. So that's the environment where I see premiums going parabolic. That's the environment where I see Uh, inventory, which is as plentiful as it's been in four years, become non-existent. Now, people can say that, well, he's just saying that, but, you know, Chris, I've been working with you long enough to know that you've seen three or four or five or six examples of that happen, where something happens, whether it be the pandemic, whether it be a banking issue, whatever it be, where all of a sudden, in a matter of just a few days, product disappears, premiums shoot up. That's the nature of this business, and, you know, um, even though the pimple on the elephant's ass has grown, the elephant has yet to really realize what's going on, and it will take something like a bank bail-in for that to happen. But, I mean, that's not really supposition. As you see rates continue to go higher and higher and higher, the strain and the stress on these banks is only going to get worse and worse and worse, and I think that's where the linchpin is, so... I would look at this as a hell of a gift and I'm not trying to talk my book. I'm being dead serious. I look at this as a gift. If you believe even 10 or 20% of what I'm saying, um, then you should strongly consider this as a gift. And if you're planning on buying this year, um, 2023, this is as good as it's going to get in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And Certainly, we'll we'll see what happens in the rates market where, as you mentioned, up to 479 today. Quite a jump. I'm looking back on August 31st, we were at 4.1%. The so 70 basis points in just about a month, and certainly, I think, starting to get the market's attention now. Uh, at the same time, you still hear the Fed talking about another quarter-point hike. With the possibility of more, we've heard some commentary of that, even Jamie Dimon talking about rates up at 7%. So, yeah. Let me ask you a question, Chris. I
0: mean, as a former Wall Street trader, how unusual in your historical context is a 70 basis point move in the
1: span of several weeks under a month? I mean, I was not trading bonds, but certainly 70 basis points in a month that that's a pretty significant move and probably have to go back quite a while. And since we've seen something of that magnitude and it reminds me of some of the days where we'd be walking off the trading floor and there was some sort of big shop shock in the market and you'd realize that some shops were going under based on the magnitude of a move and, talked with Dave Kranzler. He's been hearing concerns about Bank of America. And I think we mentioned last week, but Wall Street on Parade had that article where I think they had $106 billion of held to maturity unrealized losses. The Federal Reserve has been stacking up losses as the interest rates have gone higher. And again, you talked about the impact that we saw in the regional banks earlier this year. So it just makes you wonder if we Based on what we saw earlier this year, now the moves are seemingly really accelerating and uh, just a concerning time out there. I'm looking back here in February we saw on February second ten year at three thirty nine and then by March second was at four oh seven so similar move to what we saw throughout February to what we're seeing now so the the type and magnitude of moves that can have quite an impact and especially in an economy that is as levered as what we're witnessing. Um well that's the yeah. whole
0: point. When you realize that the number two in charge in terms of economic advisory to the US is Lale Brainerd, who is a modern monetary theorist who ran point for Fed now, uh who worked with MIT on in development of the new central bank digital currency while at the at the Fed and well, if you want a central bank digital currency in a modern monetary theorist, the the first step is to call the banks. And I don't know how better way to call the banks than to blow up one of them, find a sacrificial lamb. You know, and it's interesting that Bank of America is the one that's been messing with gold and silver uh short sales for quite some time. Huge short position in in silver and in gold. I don't know where if they've covered it yet but I know that there have been the ones that have been involved with this. And so at least as of late and uh, you know, drop one of those banks, let them get bailed in. And <laughs> every single one of the 4,500 banks in this country, they're all going to freak out. They're all going to go upside down. And I mean, could that happen? Sure. Why not? I mean, how bad does a balance sheet need to get before reality sets in and, or we just continue to bail out these large banks in violation of the Dodd-Frank Act, destroy the dollar, which pushes interest rates up higher. It's it's one of these deals where if you realize that the ultimate end game would be one of those where um, if you don't have some gold and silver, you may you may really regret it. Then you know these pullbacks and and looking at the. The day-to-day gyrations and the price of gold and silver, which have such a profound emotional impact on most of the inve- uh, investment community, is, for my money, is is um, investing 101. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Think logically. And look into the future just a little bit. And if you don't think we're going to see at least one or two or three bank failures heading into the end of the year, I would disagree with you. I'd be willing to place a bet. The question is, will it be bailed in? And when you see a bail-in, as the law says it's supposed to, the effect on the public will be amplified unlike anything people have ever seen because the majority of the public has no idea that bail-in legislation is the law of the land or what it is. The people listening to this show may, but if you are listening to this show, ask your mom, ask your dad, ask your brother, ask your sister, ask a friend. Do you know what bail-ins are? Do you know that it's a law? And when that happens, I think it will open up people's eyes to a level that they have never, ever experienced. And because it's one thing to talk about frailty of markets, it's another thing to to say that your money is no longer safe in a bank. And that is, to me, the ultimate um, catalyst to to lighting a fuse that God only knows how big the, the explosion is.
1: Well, I suppose the trades keep going at the rate they have been, maybe finding out sooner than later. Though, Andy, one last thing I did want to ask you about before we wrap up today. Something that Vince was talking about on yesterday's show was the seasonality effect with a lot of the funds and and traders closing up positions towards the end of the year in that, I believe it was the eight of the past ten years, we've seen a decline in between August and November and usually when buy season picks up early November, have seen a reversal. Certainly that's what we saw last year. Curious, do you see that impact on the retail level? Is that uh, a pattern that holds from that side as well, or anything in terms of the seasonality that you could comment on?
0: Well, typically the fall and winter are the best times in this industry, uh, save for – Uh, thanksgiving on i mean for me typically from labor day through up to thanksgiving um is the strong part of this year so you know i guess the seasonality as it pertains to funds closing out their their um their book or or their trades you would think would have a pretty profound impact on uh on the demand but look i mean Look, supply and demand fundamentals are so upside down right now and have been for so long. People are just confused. Seasonality, I do think, is very valid as it pertains to the underlying price of of the metal. But to me, buying gold and silver should not be impacted by seasonality. It should be impacted more about rationality and about... um, you know your objective and your goal and and your outlook on a macro perspective the seasonality would allow you opportunities perhaps to maximize that perspective knowing when typically when we would expect to see pullbacks in the price uh, or increases in the price if it was relevant to to such a thing but buying the physical metal to me should have very little if any impact uh, with the exception of things like Christmas and New Year's and the beginning of summer and where people just are away from their computers and are with family and aren't trading. So if that's what you mean, sure. But in terms of seasonality as it relates to trading patterns by large funds that one of these days are going to be on the wrong side of the commercial banks or vice versa. And we're going to see uh, COMEX and COMEX positioning with these funds have a religious experience. But until then, yeah, I think it's more a function of the price and less on the physical demand and or uh, um, reasons to buy gold
1: and silver. Well, good to know, and good to hear that, at least as the price is down, that it sounds like you're saying people have been buying, and that's been one trend you've seen, especially throughout the past couple of years. And uh, before we wrap up, Andy, anything on special for people who do want to buy silver while the price is lower and premiums are still down? Yeah, right now we have the um, 2023
0: Silver Kangaroos. Uh, they come in boxes of $250. Um they are great. They're mini monster boxes. They're the purest silver coin in the world at um, 4 dollars They and the Canadian Maple leaf. Um, and they're three dollars and fifteen cents over price of silver, and we also have the one tenth ounce gold eagle twenty twenty three at thirty two dollars over melt, where you would take the price of gold, divide it by ten, add thirty two dollars now, if I had my choice and and I could buy one bullion coin, uh, that would be it always has been. I own lots of them been buying them for thirty plus years and because whether you're playing poker or driving on a crowded highway or living life, you can never have too many outs or exits or options, too much utility or versatility. And the one tenth ounce Eagle holds its premium, always has for my whole career, both buy and sell. They're made in small quantities, and they're really massively demanded. Um, so it is a, a higher premium, certainly, than a one-ounce coin, and, and somewhat considerably. But from a standpoint of utility, versatility, in a world that you know, who knows how crazy things get in a banking problem? But do remember, there's I don't know approaching 20 states that now allow gold and silver coins minted by any foreign sovereign mint or U.S. mint, past or present, to be used for all debts, public and private, even even paying your uh, your property taxes. And so, whether it's a silver kangaroo or a one ten-ounce gold eagle, all applies. And the the law actually reads the melt value of the coin plus any market premium. So, you know, the fact that it's an Australian dollar will have no val uh, no no relevance other than that it was guaranteed by the Australian government to be legit and pure. So, anyway, I like them, and um, it's a heck of a value and a premium, almost half of that of a silver eagle. So, looking for the best value in a one ounce silver sovereign mint coin, this is it. And, and then the one ounce Gold Eagle at 32 over. And I like both of them, and I own a lot of both. And I think it's a good choice for for the times and for people who are looking to, uh, to get some versatility in their portfolio.
1: Well, appreciate that. And people can find out more or take advantage of that by emailing arcadia at milesfranklin.com. Or if you have questions about any of the things that we've been talking about on the show or otherwise regarding gold or silver, always happy to be in touch with people there. So, uh, Andy, I thank you for joining me. Hope you have some safe travels back on your way home. And thanks for this week's update, as always, as we get a look into what is happening on the physical level of the silver market. And we'll look forward to checking back in with you again next week. Thanks, buddy. Talk
0: to you soon.